Welcome to the Grip Strip Podcast, episode 11. I'm Philip Matthew. I'm here with my co-host, Josh Fine. How's everything going, man? It's going well. I'm glad to be on the podcast again. Yeah, well, it's uh, we got plenty to talk about tonight. Uh, it's I titled it New Winners and Some Regulars, too. Uh, we have Scott Dixon started the... 2020 IndyCar season with a third consecutive victory at Road America. They had two races there, and his teammate Felix Rosenquist finally gets over the hump and gets his first career victory in a in a interesting Sunday uh, race at Road America between him and Pato Award. Uh, Formula One, Lewis Hamilton after a basically a very sloppy first race the austrian grand prix comes back the next week at austria wins only for the second time in his career at austria which is interesting uh his 85th career win and 89th career pole dramatic in the rain uh we'll talk about that we'll also go into the cluster that was everything that took place at kentucky where cold custard won his first career cup race uh probably won himself rookie of the year He's locked himself in the all-star race. He's going to the playoffs. All these things that had just happened there on that last two-lap dash. Uh, Austin Sindrick, Gumby gets two wins in the Xfinity Series, and Sheldon Creed wins his first career truck race. And on Saturday, a range shortened. We'll also talk about the all-star race, which will be on Wednesday night. And uh, whatever else we're able to kind of fit in here on the Grip Strip podcast. Thank you all for uh, listening. Um, first, we'll uh, go into the indie cars. Uh, Scott Dixon, of course, as I said, had uh, a victory there, used uh, misfortune for the likes of Joseph Newgarden, who qualified on pole, but uh, stalled. Uh, you had Graham Rahal, who had a good strategy again, and then had problems fueling his car and uh, fell back. You had Will Power there. He had some issues. Uh, I would uh, go and say, what were your takeaways, Josh, on the weekend at uh, at Road America for the Indy cars as they uh, lead off into um, Iowa for a couple more races on an oval here this weekend? Well, overall, I think. Chip Ganassi Racing clearly has um, gotten off on the right foot uh, for this 2020 season and looks like they showed no signs of um, not or of continuing their dominance or what I, what I should say is that they showed no signs of stopping their dominance and I think they're going to continue to dominate um, as we go uh, onward with uh, the continuing season and and I expect them to continue to dominate next week at Iowa but um you know, I think uh, Will Power, you know, he had a good day on Saturday, but not quite as good as on Sunday and I, or, yeah, last week. And I think, um, y- you know, even though he had problems on Sunday, um, you know, I think he was still pretty good on, on there. And I think it shouldn't be reflective of his season. But I think one guy you have to look out for is probably Alex Palau. You know, he finished on the podium on Saturday and then um, Pato Ward ended up leading 43 laps on on Sunday at Road America, and I think those guys, you know, being rookies, I think it shows um, their ability and and uh, you know their talent in the IndyCar series, and shows that there's definitely going to be a lot of competition that we see from 
um, the rookies and even some of the um, younger guys, such as Colton Herta, finished uh, in pretty well positions on on both days of uh, at Road America. Yeah, the I mean, you look at the Paddle Award. I mean, he was uh, he was he's not a rookie. He, it seems like he is because. Uh, he ran limited schedule. He had an interesting year last year. He should have been a rookie last year full time. Uh, got screwed by uh, Mike Harding and uh, and that whole team that basically backed uh, Colton Herta. Uh, but he's now uh, basically took Kinch's ride in um, the spam team. Uh, yeah, Palau having that great run there. I think it's the first permanent road course of the season. So or. I mean, yeah, Indianapolis is a permanent road, but I mean, Road America, I think, is something closer to what Palo has been able to drive in Super Formula and other series that he's been in. And he showed the pace and ability that everyone was talking about during preseason testing. And uh, he's a real uh, threat as we go along later in this season. I mean, the, the rookie class this year is is loaded uh, with Polo, you have Renus VK, Fred Carpenter, Oliver Askew, and um, those are the three main rookies. Um, Dalton Kellett is just out there with his daddy's money taking up a spot. Um, you know, so maybe those three rookies have all uh, had moments. So you, you had VK at a great finish in Indy, Pato on Sunday below on Saturday. So, I mean, they're all going to have their moments here and they're tough uh, drivers. And it's, I'm interested to see how they will fare on the oval, uh, two oval races uh, at a short oval Indy cars at short ovals are amazing. And it's going to be interesting to see what they're able to do on uh, Saturday and Sunday. I'll just go over the Results here on Saturday, Scott Dixon gets his 49th career win. Uh, Will Power finishes second. Alex Pelot third for his first career podium, as Josh had said. Ryan Hunter Ray finishes fourth, so he actually has some good luck for once. Uh, that didn't follow through. Uh, Colton Herta fifth, another uh, strong finish for him. He's been very consistent. He's been the one Andretti car that's actually been consistent the whole season. I mean, I say whole season. It's been four races. Uh, Santucci finished sixth. Graham Rehal seventh. Pato Award eighth. Takuma Sato ninth. And Marcus Erickson tenth for the Husky Chocolate Chip Ganassi uh, team. So that was uh, the two of the the Ganassi cars in the top 10 Rosenquist was buried, but I think he had better pace than that. Just didn't work out there. I think he had some problems. Uh, Alexander Rossi had issues all through that race, finished a lap down uh, in the 19th. Connor Daly got took off by Pato Award, which may have played a role in what happened on Sunday. Uh, he finished 21st. Jack Harvey fell out of the race. Uh, they're late and or, or, or yeah, I mean, are in middle of the middle third of the race there. Uh, you look at Joseph Newgarden start on pole. Uh, the issues he had led the first 25 laps and then only finished 14th because of the stall uh, that he had there uh, in pit road because of the low, the very, the very high first gear, just not really being able to get grip there. Uh, in terms of the Sunday race, 
first career win for Felix Rosenquist, first win he's had since the uh, Formula E championship where he drove for where he drove for uh, uh, Mahindra. Uh, that was uh, I, I rooted for him there, and because of the Indian team, and now he's driving for Ganassi. He's, he was on the he was on the the list of drivers I think that Ganassi wanted for a long time. Finally got him here. Had a had a rough year last year. Kind of figured it out late, and now gets his first win. The chocolate chip car finishes fourth with Marcus Erickson behind Pato Award and Alexander Rossi. Herta another top five. Santucci sixth. Palo seventh. So Dale Coyne has a strong weekend. Sato another top ten. New Garden started fourteenth, finished ninth, and Jimbo Kimball uh, finishes tenth. Will Power hit everything but the lottery and still finished 11th. Scott Dixon was human, finally. He uh, only finished 12th on Sunday. Pagano was buried deep and finished 13th. Um, Daly uh, played a role there late where um, I was going to ask you this. like, What did you think of uh, the uh, – race there late for paddle award i mean he had dominated the race but i don't think that they had uh filled him with enough fuel and then they also made the choice to go on on scuffed reds um do you i think that was probably a mistake on both both accounts not filling him enough to make it and then also uh the scuffed reds while rosenquist was on uh uh regular i think on sticker uh blacks the prime uh tire there what were your thoughts on the strategy there by spam with paddle award after he had dominated the race i don't think that strategy really put him in position or the best position to win the race because you know if you don't fill it up enough then you know the, the driver can't go full rich and and go out to the you know maximum power that or speed that he can drive within a lap and you know he's on reds well you know reds kind of wear out quick more quickly than the blacks do um if i'm correct and and you know rosenquist with with the blacks you know he's um able you know i mean it might not be like quick over like a a short pace but it's better for you know long run and that's certainly what it uh turned out to be kind of at the end and he was able to kind of catch up uh back with uh pat a word in it you know he he got help from connor daly with um daly's able to kind of unlap himself there at the end and and i guess you know that kind of hurt paddle words progress there at the end and allowed um rosenquist to catch back up to him and it's almost kind of reminiscent you know going back to last year of the sort of like uh mid ohio uh with uh rosenquist and uh, scott dixon i think and you know this time uh rosenquist is able to close the deal but you know, certainly that'll be something that uh, Paddle Words team will kind of look back and maybe if they're in that position again where they're either leading the race or they have a chance to take the lead at the end, that maybe they'll uh, try to give him the best shot and maybe um, go with a different set of tires and just make sure that they put enough fuel in the car. When when you look at what Paddle's been able to do, and they talked about it more uh, yeah, on Sunday, they kind of no-sold Paddle Award last year and even so far this year uh what he went through um kind of getting he got screwed by harding he got screwed by andretti and uh red bull wanted him 
to run Formula One, and uh, he couldn't get, but for whatever, because of the stupidity of super license, he couldn't get a super license, so he was kind of in limbo. And then you consider uh, Spam, uh, Zach Brown wanted two new drivers, he wanted to go younger, which basically left uh, Hinch uh, with nothing, um, and which is part of Sam Schmidt's kind of way. He's kind of screwed people over over the years, so it's not shocking that he screwed um, he screwed over Hinch after winning races, winning the pole for Indianapolis, all that. But he's got two of the best young talents in this sport, uh, the last two Indy Lights champions in award and uh, Oliver Askew and I feel figure if this partnership continues that it's gonna reap rewards later on Chevrolet definitely needed another team uh, to to kind of strengthen their their deal because outside of Penske there's no real standout Chevy team Ed Carpenter shows up um Shows up uh, one, you know, at Indianapolis and here and there. They got VK, so maybe they'll be better on road courses. Connor had a brutal weekend, but he's been solid. Um, so Chevy, they really need that spam team to show up. It was an unfortunate deal there, but Rosenquist this time wasn't going to let it go, and he was making up half a second, quarter of a second, whatever a lap, and he just really showed um, the kind of talent and ability that might make him a future IndyCar champion, uh, somebody that probably should be in for another example of a guy that probably should have been in formula one that didn't get the shot because of money or whatever it may be. So I guess we'll find out. I'm, uh, about how everything goes for some of these drivers going to a short oval is going to be a real challenge next week or this weekend at Iowa is usually very intense action, uh, you have to wonder what's going to um, happen there. Um, wanted to s- say one thing in terms of Alexander Rossi. We talked about him last week. He was basically dead to rights, and after Saturday, he's even further back. But he finally got a podium on Sunday. He looked like himself again. Um, in terms of what you saw, Josh, uh, he could go out there. He, he's, he's got very high hopes for Iowa to track where Andretti Autosport has generally done well at. Um, of course, Penske, I mean, where's the track that they don't run well, but, um, Ryan Hunter Ray's won there multiple times back in the day. You had Canon. I mean, even Marco Andretti. Yep. One there, which tells you how insane things are. I think Kadeki Muto won there for Andretti Autosport and uh, uh, Dario Franchitti. So um, your thoughts on um, what Alexander Rossi did, at least on Sunday, it wasn't a good Saturday, but on Sunday and uh, what he's going to, what he looks for, what his hopes are to maybe make a Hail Mary run to try to get back into this championship. Yeah, I mean, definitely getting podium on Sunday was uh, back to form for Rossi. I think this weekend he's got to be able to aim for probably both days to aim for you know no less than a third place finish on on both days and and I think if if he's able to do that it certainly would bode well for his chance at a kind of a hail mary run at the championship um, but 
there really isn't any more room for mistakes. You know, he's gotten back up into the top 20 in the standings. Is now in 18th place in the IndyCar uh, standings. Uh, still don't know if that's gonna or if that's too low to try to make a run at the championship. Uh, but certainly, still at least is you know, not mathematically out of it yet. But certainly, um, still not likely for him to make a comeback in that situation. So really, it's just gonna be um, just can he get back to himself again like uh, what we've seen from him in the past so if you know as long as they can aim for more consistency um you know maybe he'll be able to achieve uh, or at least partially achieve that hail mary goal of getting back uh, in the title contention but i i think uh, overall like they probably just got to focus on i mean i sure certainly they should be focused on winning on winning races but overall like you know, they've just got to be able to, to um, be themselves again and just finish consistently. Yeah, they're right now after his run on Saturday. I think he moved from 22nd to 18th in points. Yeah. He's at uh, 107 points out of the lead, but he's, fifth, what is it, 46, and he's 53 points out of second. So, which is less than the gap between Colton Herta and Scott Dixon, which is first and second. So fundamentally, it's very early in the year. You have all these races. It's not out of the realm of possibility, especially with the double points Indianapolis 500, uh, where he could get himself back into the top five in points uh, if he can get consistent, as as you said there, Josh. I mean, uh, it, it's weird that uh, it it's went so wrong for uh, Rossi after they put all that money in all that energy into him uh, as their lead dog. It, it seems like Andretti uh, Autosport this year came out on the back foot, but then you can say that Colton Herta has been great driving for them so far this year, averaging a fifth place, a little over a fifth place finish and averaging just over a sixth starting spot. So he's, he's up there. So, I guess we'll see. We'll find out. Ovals uh, usually bring out the best in people and the worst. So uh, we will find out with that. Anybody else that stood out to you in terms of their performances as they move on to uh, Iowa? Well, I mean, you know, Ferrucci, you know, he he did well on Saturday and then finished uh, actually finished in the same spot on both uh, both days at Road America. So I think certainly, you know, he's continuing to uh, show that he's definitely talented, even if maybe not everybody likes him, you know. But certainly, hey, it's always good to have, no matter who they are, you know, it's good to have um, competition um, in the series. Yeah, Santucci is uh, whatever. I forget. There's a buddy of mine on on Twitter. He had some, I called him Spaghetti Head, or I forget what the hell with his stupid haircut that he has. And uh, there was it was a funny nickname for him. I forgot what it was, but uh, he struggled so far early in the season with the driving the car that Bordet had been driving for the last few years. I think they finally got some stability there, figuring things out um, as the season goes on. His best work was on ovals last year, so hey, maybe he comes out and finally gets that first win. Um, Paul Tracy and and all people who are in a ignorance and arrogance will uh, will rejoice. So um, I guess we'll see what happens there. I'll, I'll give uh, credit uh, 
to um, Marcus Erickson. He's a guy in second year talked about the whole spam deal. He wasn't in their cards to come back for that team. And he was somehow or another able to get Husky chocolate together. Uh, you have Ganassi having to the four GT program end, so then they saved some of the people from that program ran to start a third IndyCar team. Erickson's a beneficiary of that. He's sixth in points. Uh, he's finished all before laps so far this year. He hasn't led a lot. Starts have not been, starting position has been great, but he's been inside the top ten, uh, averaging a nine point eight finish. So. He's he's in this deal and um, he's ahead right now. Felix Rosenquist in points, but that's mainly because Rosenquist crashed at Texas while running second. So uh, give credit to him. Erickson's kind of finding his uh, feet uh, in this series and uh, maybe his time is going to come here soon as we get into the rest of the season. Uh, The next topic will be the Formula One race, Styrian Grand Prix. Uh, Lewis Hamilton uh, is, did uh, his Lewis Hamilton thing, uh, lights the flag, gets the start, goes and wins a little bit of challenge uh, with Botas running an alternative uh, strategy. Max Verstappen really didn't have any pace early in the race, which kind of uh, ended his shot. And uh, Lewis was able to manage. Uh, you, he's now only six points behind 43 to 37 in, uh, the driver's championship. And of course, my Mercedes is, uh, accumulating a huge points lead early in the constructors championship. Uh, uh, what do you, what did you do look at in terms of the Styrian Grand Prix, Josh, for Lewis Hamilton, Valtteri Botas. I guess we'll take all of those guys. We'll talk about the guys who finished on the podium before we get into some of the other uh, standouts and issues that went on uh, at Austria. Yes, another dominant performance by Lewis Hamilton. I mean, uh, what do you expect at this point? You you should expect him to win or at least be podium, and he's able to really to do both of those things uh, if you um, count out the penalty that he got uh, last week uh, the first race in the season at Austria but you know it was a, another dominant performance really by Mercedes or Mercedes in general and Verstappen kind of getting back to form even though like you said it wasn't the greatest race for him but you know he ended up getting back onto the podium and, and uh, maybe they'll help him uh, get back to contention and possibly uh, contend for the title like like he had wanted to before the season. And, you know, Red Bull in general also finished well, you know, with uh, Albon uh, finishing in fourth. But uh, really a, a solid race for Mercedes. And um, I think that's probably what you're going to expect is uh, the Valtteri Bottas and Lewis Hamilton show for the 2020 season. Yeah, I think with the the races at, at Austria, you kind of saw we've already kind of figured out a pecking order here. Uh, Mercedes and Red Bull are definitely one and two in the uh, the race right now in terms of the best teams. And then after that, it's Racing Point and McLaren are kind of in that next group together uh and then you have, I guess, you'll have Renault, 
and the team that we're going to discuss uh, in a in a moment in the Scuderia. And uh, they the Renault has made progress, but they're having some overheating issues. Technical when you're having when you're having issues finishing races, that's always going to be a problem uh, and is going to cost you points. And especially now that when you consider the points and where you finish in constructors, not only determines what how much money you get, but it also determines how much time you're going to get to uh, develop your car aerodynamically and in other ways. Every point truly is going to count here in the constructors championship and having good reliability is a key uh, um, aspect that needs to be identified and Renault right now is kind of not in a good place with that Um, they're getting beat by their own customer at least for this year in in McLaren uh, who is currently second in the constructors championship Lando finished fifth on Sunday after finishing third the week before Carlos Sainz started third great best qualifying position of his career and got the fastest lap of the race so that's two races two fastest laps for McLaren second in the constructors championship right now which is the highest they've been since I think it was 2014 or 15 when um yeah, it was 2014 when they finished second and third at the Australian Grand Prix, the opening race of the uh, season, where they were leading the Constructors' Championship with Jensen Button and Kevin Magnussen when they finished when he finished second and third in that race. And I don't know if Magnussen, I think, got penalized or something, but they were up there. So that was the fir- this is the first time they've been that far up in Constructors' since then so i i guess the question would be josh are we to expect that the, right now this pace that they've shown uh is this repeatable is this something that can maintain to where they could actually contend not only for multiple podiums but possibly you know given strategy given weather conditions possibly sneak that win uh that first win in a very long time for mclaren yeah, I th- definitely think it's possible, and they have the the drivers that can do it. And really, I was impressed by uh, how Lu- or Lando Norris was um, able to finish in fifth on on Sunday. And you know, he was I think he was like in eighth place or something like that. And then he was able to overtake. You know, Ricardo and Stroll were kind of battling each other, and he was able to uh, pass those guys. And then. Perez had some kind of problem, and he was able to overtake um, him on the final lap. But, you know, it shows the talent that he has. And, and with uh, McLaren continuing to rebuild, and, yeah, the on both races, really, for Lando. But, um, you know, as McLaren continues to rebuild and, and they um, utilize the resources that they have from uh, Renault, uh, I think – Definitely, I think they'll be able to continue to, if not podium, they'll at least you know finish somewhere in the points between fourth and and tenth place. But uh, I think I think they I don't know where, but potentially maybe I'll say uh, I don't know where really. But I mean, if if they had the Monaco Grand Prix, I would say maybe that might be the place where you would see McLaren win. But um, we I don't know if that race will happen this year. 
Um, but I think it's possible that um, they'll win a race this year, and it's going to be with uh, Lando Norris behind the wheel. Yeah, Monaco is we Monaco. I don't think they they said that they're going to have it. I don't think they're going to have that. Um, they're going to go to Mother Russia, unfortunately. But um, yeah, I mean, if it were the be, place, yeah, it would be. I think Mother Russia might be a an, a good one for McLaren because that's just a kind of a crappy street circuit with like you know medium mostly medium speed uh tilky drome kind of dump uh that would be a place i mean hungaro ring where they're gonna go this weekend is a place where you don't have to have ultimate pace um but if you have other aspects down where you have good pit stops you can have good one lap pace you can go and get good starts it could happen this weekend, and and if rain comes into play like it did last year, weather conditions played a role, I think. And uh, off the top of my head, I'm re- I remember it being a wet, dry race, and then Max were stopping, getting stuck on um, a different uh, compound, and Lewis get doing an undercut to go and pass him there. So, I mean, Hungaroring is not known for for great side-by-side or um, exciting racing, though the battle that uh, that Lewis and, and Max had there was interesting because you're talking about what's probably the two best uh, drivers in this on the circuit right now. Um, we'll see what happens. I mean, it definitely McLaren's pace. You look at Racing Point, who we're going to discuss a little bit later, um, in more detail because of some news that's come out. Uh, they Their pace is definitely something to look at. Um, I don't know. They've never really been great at some of the medium speed tracks. They're more of a long straightaways tracks, that uh, faster tracks where they do work. If they're able to do some work here this weekend at Hungary, uh, they really have to be uh, someone to look at in terms of that third place or in constructors, um, you know, worst case fourth place right now because of um, what we're going to talk about now. I mean, we go into the results. Lewis Hamilton, Valtteri Bottas for stopping the podium. Albon Norris, the top five. Perez and Stroll for Racing Point. Perez hit uh, Ricardo, I think, and broke his wing, but somehow or another finished sixth. And then um, Ricardo finished eighth, Carlos signs ninth, Danny Kvyat in tenth. Three uh, uh, retirements, Ocon, I mentioned, who started fifth, uh, overheating, and he retired. But the two other retirements were Ferrari. And fundamentally, their cars are not good. They already basically said that they were in bad shape. Uh, Charles Leclerc somehow or another came through uh, last week, got a second place finish, gave himself a good start to the world championship and then followed it up. They neither car. uh, I mean, Leclerc didn't even make it out of Q2. Vettel only qualified 10th and Leclerc went and did a bonehead move on the start of the race and basically landed on the back of Sebastian Vettel's car, uh, ripped the wing off 
ended Vettel's race on lap one, three corners in, or two corners in, and Leclerc only went three more laps. Um, I guess the the easy question is, like, what, what is the deal with Ferrari, man? Yeah, it's kind of a, a Jekyll and Hyde situation, at least for Leclerc, and maybe even for Vettel, too. You know, they started out well with Leclerc back on uh, last week, and then this week on the first lap, they basically um, throw everything away, and um, now they're almost it's almost like they're back to square zero or square one as far as the the championship goes but um certainly that's like i would say very uh, uncharacteristic you know for somebody like Leclerc and maybe even ferrari too um but this, that's going to be an interesting dynamic uh this season with vettel's already on the way out and Leclerc's kind of overtaking him in the preferred spot in uh, ferrari already and you wonder if um, incidents like that could uh, affect the team dynamic. And, you know, we discussed it already uh, with what the team dynamic might be like uh, at Ferrari over the course of the season. Certainly crashing your teammate out on the first lap uh, doesn't help that. And, you know, if they continue to have incidents like that or run into each other, and you know, maybe not necessarily like a crash like this, but if maybe uh, Leclerc races them too hard or they maybe they touch wheels <clears throat> or – Vettel raises Leclerc too hard, you know, they might have a you know very intense rivalry and um, something between teammates that you don't really want to see, um, and not because they're pushing each other, but rather they're kind of getting each um, each other's way and kind of stepping on on each other's feet, you know. So I don't, um, it's not really good for uh, for Ferrari to have that happen, and hopefully uh, they can kind of get things straightened out and. Certainly, uh, Leclerc at least seems to be the the guy there. So maybe uh, hopefully this is a one off for him, and he'll get back to form in the following weeks. You 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 have to wonder, and you have to be concerned about the pace that Ferrari has uh, going to going to Hungary. Maybe a, a temporary fix uh, if they're able to find some mechanical grip. They might be able to kind of reassert themselves as a top three team. But generally speaking, I don't know how they're going to be able to um, stand up once we move past this first three, this stretch and then go to Silverstone uh, for two races there with the kind of arrow um, that you need and downforce you need there um, to compete. I mean, right now, Charles Leclerc is 25 points out of the lead. He's only eight points behind Lando Norris, and that's based on one finish. Um, But you look at, uh, I mean, Vettel only has one, uh, he, uh, what do you call it? He only has one point right now. So uh, they're buried right now in constructors. Uh, you're behind Racing Point. They're behind Renault. They're behind Red Bull. It's like, it's it's a problem, and they need to figure out what they're gonna do car wise to make sure that uh, they're competitive, especially once they get to um, the the middle part of the the season where they're gonna be um, as it stands right now. You have two races at Silverstone, then you're gonna have Catalonia before they do the summer break, which will then be uh, Spa, Monza, 
and uh, they'll also run at uh, Mugello Circuit, which is usually run for MotoGP, but it's a Ferrari-owned circuit. Um, they probably, they'll be going there. Uh, rumors are they'll be going to the Portimao Algarve uh, Circuit in Portugal. I wish they were going to Estoril. I love Estoril. But um, they'll be going there, and they may be going to Imola as well to make up Grand Prix as we go along. Because as it stands, you look at the schedule after Monza or after outside of Russia, nothing's been announced. Uh, so that they they probably want to have their cars uh, in a position to be somewhat competitive. I would assume by Catalonia, but worst case, they need to, they'll have given up six races by that point if they're only in a position to be decent by Spa, but they don't want to be crap going to Spa, Monza, and at home running their thousandth Grand Prix or some crap like the, the and at, at uh, Mugello. It would be a pretty bad look. Um, the fact that Sebastian Vettel and, and, uh, Leclerc are running into each other. Um, they've been doing that last year too. I don't think Vettel is fully invested, um, and and fundamentally he's kind of checked out. Leclerc is very aggressive, too aggressive to a point. I I kind of consider his driving um, similar to what um, Verstappen was doing for a while, and then he finally got sat down and he finally somebody smack some sense into him and said, Hey, you have the talent and ability, um, whether he's a douche or not. I mean, he is a douche, but you know, like you have the talent and ability, the cars are okay. They're not great, but if you stay within yourself, you can make something happen here. You can get points. You can get wins when you overdrive and you do stupid crap and you're falling out of races, you're just giving points away. You're giving opportunities away. And that's what Leclerc is doing right now. And he showed this as well at, um, Sauber Alfa Romeo. He's showing this now with Ferrari. And the problem though, is he's the lead dog. He, he has to take a, a a leadership role because he's going to be, the incumbent driver as Carlos Sainz moves into this team next year. And considering how bad these cars are, if they don't make the changes necessary, this is a throwaway year. Um, and r- rules and regulations right now are not um, changing all that much going into 21. So do you really want to put yourself in a position where you're going to be throwing away two years in your prime? Uh, that's, that's something you have to wonder and, We'll see and find out in more detail as we go along. Um, Hungary will be an interesting race for sure. Um, one thing we mentioned was about Racing Point and how good they've been so far this season, even in winter testing with their basically um, Mercedes clone. Uh, the rumors are that Sebastian Vettel uh, is in talks to sign with Racing Point which would be the Aston Martin F1 team to uh, be teammates uh, with Lance Stroll and uh, which would leave Checo Perez on the sideline. Um, Josh, I would ask uh, in terms of uh, Sebastian Vettel with the recent news that also Valtteri Bottas will be back for 2021 
Fernando Alonso we talked about last week on the show is coming to Renault. Um, the, your thoughts on um, Sebastian Bell going to, to Aston Martin Racing Point for 2021 is uh, does this uh, offer an opportunity for him to kind of have a resurgence because he's with Mercedes, whatever engines and uh, things like that? Or what, what would you think of uh, Vettel going to Racing Point? Uh, it could be a chance for a resurgence for sure. And we see, you know, with Racing Point, they, you know, they did good in winter testing and they were kind of the, I guess, uh, I don't want to say underdog, but somebody, they're definitely a team that, like, they could be a, a threat in the right conditions and they showed definitely a lot of speed in winter testing. And, and you know, we kind of see that this weekend here at, uh, Aust- or at Austria and it certainly could be a, a chance for him to have a residence and I, I, but I wonder, like, even if he's on a team like that, still, like, yeah, we'll maybe not have as much politics as that Ferrari, but you know, you still have to question his until he is able to, you know, consistently perform. You do have to kind of question his uh, commitment overall. Like, is this going to be something where he kind of just um, does? Uh, okay but doesn't really do anything with the riders uh this is going to be something where he's able to uh consistently you know score in the points and get podiums um potentially um but i would not you know it could be a a chance for him to have a residence but i'm just not confident in him as a overall really um to be quite honest with you yeah, I, I agree with that. I, I don't know if the resurgence happens here for for Vettel. I don't. I, I mean, he he has he just he's recently married or whatever. He has kids. They just have kids. What what do we have here? Are we gonna have Sebastian Vettel from four straight World Championships? Sebastian Vettel with Red Bull when he had the best of the best of it and he did work more or less two of those years totally dominated two of those years. He struggled. He had some struggles. There were some issues, especially with um, him and Mark Weber. And it went to the final race of the season. Fernando Alonso with Ferrari made him work. Um, and if Ferrari was a better team, he might've Fernando Alonso might be a four time world champion instead of Sebastian Vettel. Um, I don't know which driver we're going to see here. I find it interesting that I, I, I do see the fact that that Racing Point and, and Lauren Stroll is putting a lot of money into this deal. And with the cost cap, it's going to be managed and you'll be able to kind of maybe bring yourself up by 22. I think the angle, just the same way as with Fernando Alonso coming back, is about 22. It's less about 21 and uh, going in and being in a position in 22 to compete. Um, I don't think Mercedes is going to slow down. I kind of feel like even with a downsizing of their team and some of the moving, some of the pieces there, um, Mercedes is still going to be able to compete because they have the the best power unit. Um, Ferrari is because they think they got nailed by um, the FIA with something with fuel flow. Um, they, their power unit is now not 
the best, it's probably third best, if not the worst, depending. Um, so you you look at Mercedes, you look at Vettel, he may want to angle himself, put himself in a position to possibly get in the main team if Lewis decides he wants to quit. Um, at some point, I don't think he's quitting anytime soon. I think he's probably going to be around for at least, uh, I mean, at least through 23. I, I figure he'll get to 23, uh, 2023, um, get through 21, which will be similar regs as we have this year. 22 will be the new car. I think you'll want to give it at least a year or two there. And then I think that means he'd be 39, um, uh, at that point, uh, or yeah, maybe yeah, 39. And, um, so would I, because, um, Lewis and I are only a few weeks apart. So the difference is I'm not a world-class driving talent. I just do podcasts and I write. Um, but the fact of the matter is, um, if Vettel does sign with them, I feel bad for Sergio Perez. Cause if it wasn't for Sergio Perez, this team probably would have closed and have been the end of the line. Um, he's the one that really made played a big role in saving the team um, and keeping all these jobs. And Lauren Stroll came in, uh, was able to invest so that he could give Lance a ride for life. And um, we will see. Uh, it's uh, something to be seen. And maybe Perez goes and signs with Red Bull. That would be an interesting uh, dynamic. I would be interested to see what Sergio Perez did in a Red Bull with Max Verstappen. That would be quite a, a team and a combination for sure. Um, otherwise, I think you'd probably be taking a downward move, but be Alpha Tori or it would be uh, or Haas. Um, Haas would probably be a good one because they're a North American team and, uh, him being for South, you know, in terms of Mexico, it would be good for sponsorship possibly to go and do some moves with that. Um, they tried that with Suarez. It didn't work out so well. Um, with that, we'll go into NASCAR and speaking of Suarez, his old car, the number 41 cold custard won the uh, Kentucky race there, the Quaker State 400. It was a pretty much a, a Stuart Haas benefit for a good amount of it. Uh, Eric Almirola led the most laps. Uh, Martin Truex, as per usual, failed inspection enough times where they sent him to the back and then came up in front and was in a position to win. But Custer went and ran the high line like he was cold trickle and um, won his first career cup race. So, I mean, there's there's things like, I, we, I said it earlier about what, what has basically happened and what's going to happen. He hadn't had a top five finish in his career until, until last week at Indianapolis. Now, not only does he have a top five finish, he's, he's won his first career cup race. Uh, what, I mean, uh, first of all, like, Cole Custer winning that race, Josh. I mean, takeaways on that. Yeah, the, it, you know, like it was a. I wasn't expecting him to win, but you know, he got a good push on the final restart from um, Matt De Benedetto, and he was able to get a good launch into turn one and take the high line around. And then you kind of saw 
Martin Truex and Ryan Blaney and Kevin Harvick, they all started kind of racing each other and they didn't really think about uh, Cole Custer right there on the, on the high line. And then they ended up going four wide, coming back to the start finish line. And then he was able to take the high line around and, and then you saw a, uh, Blaney and, and Harvick kind of get into it and they doored each other on the uh, coming off the flat there into turn one on the last lap and uh, then Custer was able to go out and win the race and you know kind of to draw back uh, parallels in history is somewhat similar in a sense of uh, driver getting his first win and the similar situation to uh, Ron Bouchard uh, in 1981 at Talladega when I think it was Daryl Waltrip and I think maybe Terry Labonte uh, were you know, worrying about each other and their door bait uh, banging on each other really hard and they forgot about him and then he was just able to zip on by and win that race and that was kind of a race in history um, or you know kind of a um, point in history that a lot of people go and uh, point to upsets in in the Cup Series and and, uh, and now we see. Uh, Cole Custer do something kind of similar here uh, um, in 2020, uh, which is now like almost 40 years later. But certainly it was a good finish and um, shows that when the opportunity is there, uh, Custer is able to uh, strike while the iron's hot. Uh, and he kind of have to go back the last couple of races. It seemed like maybe he was starting to kind of get into his groove as a cup driver this season, but he just hadn't quite had the finishes uh yet to show for it and now he uh, is out there winning uh the race um and now he has a chance to compete for the title and this you know they said that um out of all the rookies they wouldn't have expected him to win the race um which i think maybe is more of a a comment on his i guess maybe how his season has gone so far because you know he hadn't really performed all that well but certainly you know we seen how he did in the xfinity series last year and he was a talent uh, and part of that big three that we had last year um, that's now the Cup Series this year with Reddick and uh, Christopher Bell. But, uh, you know, for him as a team, you know, now maybe um, we'll see something kind of similar to what uh, Chris Buescher did in 2016 when he kind of um, did the upset with that uh, rain-shortened or weather-shortened Pocono race in uh, 2016, and he was able to get in the chase and maybe... You'll start to see his team maybe experiment with some things and uh, try to see what works and what might not work uh, for the uh, playoffs, and we'll we'll see how it goes. Um, maybe they'll continue to have good runs, and it'll give him the confidence to possibly uh, finish out races, and maybe he'll be able to score more top tens or top fives, and you know maybe get some stage points here and there, and try to boost his padding uh, in the points as we head to the playoffs. Yeah, you, you look at Cole Custer, he'd only had one top 10 finish, it was Phoenix, which was the last race pre-COVID in, uh, in a race where Tyler Reddick was, uh, had a brutal qualifying, came up and blew a tire. Uh, Custer finished ninth in that race, and then he had never had a top five finish uh, until Indianapolis when he pushed Kevin Harvick to his third Indy win. And then this race. So he has three top 10 finishes in his career. And two of them have happened the last two weeks, which is first two top fives. 
he moved up five spots in points or something like that. I think he was like 25th or 24 or five spots. He was like 24th or 25th in points, and now he's 20th in points. But it doesn't even matter because he's in the chase. Um, it's something to be said. You know, you look at Mike Shiplett, uh, Chip Ganassi had him. Uh, Kyle Larson and him had a great thing going in the Xfinity series. The the whole DC Solar deal goes uh, goes under. Shiplet becomes a free agent. Stuart Haas sweeps him up for Cole Custer, and Custer has a great year last year in the Xfinity series, winning uh, winning seven races and having a chance to contend for a championship. And for the second year in a row, falling just short to. Uh, uh, Tyler Reddick and you know this rookie class is one of the best rookie classes we've had in a very long time and it's it's true what you said Josh like in terms of who would you thought would have been the first guy to win I wouldn't have said Cole Custer I'd have probably said I would have said Tyler Reddick um, I have other people like, you know, Clayton on the talking in circles, you know, we other you we talk about Chris Bell or you talk about that, like John Hunter Nemechek has been a revelation this year in a cup car. And ever since he he started driving for Front Row Motorsports uh, late last year, taking over for Matt Tift. I mean, even he stood out as as a guy who has a chance, maybe. And he almost he, he got close there at Talladega, too. Uh, pushing, uh, I forget who the hell he was pushing, it was Elliot or some one of them, Hendrick cars, uh, almost to the victory there uh, at um, Talladega. So, great rookie class. Cole Custer goes and wins. First win for the 41 car since Kurt Busch at Bristol a couple years ago. Uh, Stuart Haas definitely is in a good place right now for sure. Um the, the I, I think the 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 takeaway would be you know Stuart Haas and their ability you know, Harvick was nowhere all day and then he put himself right in position to win you Almirola had a good car and then what got in traffic and then didn't do anything the rest of the day which was surprising but not really I think that's more to do with what it is the rules package and the track I mean the track was basically a dump the whole entire weekend. I mean, I never knew they had potholes in racing tracks. I just figured they had potholes in, in in places like where I live in New Jersey. But there was a huge pothole that, that Ryan Blaney hit, and he almost took off and went to outer space. And instead, he slammed, uh, door-slammed Kevin Harvick, which allowed that great finish there. Um, uh, before we get an Xfinity in trucks, I mean, what, what, did you ta- what do you think, Josh, about the... Um, the the track conditions and what these teams had to deal with um, over the weekend at Kentucky, uh, which was just uh, abysmal. Yeah, I mean, you bring up a great point with the pothole that exists on the apron right there. It shouldn't exist. You know, that's something that you know they should have found out a, a long time ago and and patched that up. Because uh, certainly, you know, the drivers like to use the the flat part of the racetrack on the front stretch and and uh, try to you know save some time on their lap or use that as a avenue to make a pass or move in, into either turn. And 
you talk about uh, the pothole there, and that you know caused that finish. But you know, the other thing we have to mention is just the condition of the the PJ one, the grip shear of the on the name of our podcast, and um, you know it seemed like that didn't quite work out the way that uh, we thought it would, um, as as they've had uh, in other tracks, and mainly the intermediates and the SMI tracks that have had the uh, PJ one stuff on the track. Uh, it didn't seem like it worked out quite well because you would see a, a car try to uh, take the bottom lane where there wasn't any uh, PJ1 and try to put in that uh, lane, try to build that lane up, and it, it just wouldn't work. You'd see them like get into about mid-corner exit. They would uh, slide. the looked like they were about to spin out, and they just uh, just couldn't get the exit that they needed off of that, and, and they would either fall back or... Um, have to save the car from spinning out and just didn't seem like that was the the way to go maybe I don't really know like how much PJ1 or if they should have put the PJ1 at the bottom because normally it seems like the last couple of years at least ever since they they did that uh, repave uh, in 2016 it seems like the the middle lane at Kentucky seems to be the way to go Um, it seems like the bottom just never came in and when they tried to it just didn't work out at all yeah when you go and put yourself when you put all that grip strip down there and and you take away an opportunity to to race and which is going to be the same thing at texas this weekend in the um the triple header for uh covid uh, 19 at texas they when when you have to put grip strip pj1 all that on the racetrack it says two things one your racetrack sucks and two nascar and what they're putting on the racetrack the product they're putting on the racetrack sucks um indy cars have had a hard time running at texas for a while indy cars at texas probably shouldn't happen at all uh personally it's a rant that i could go on here later depending on how long we have left in the show but running when you have grip, it's a dangerous thing because it makes it virtually impossible to race. Uh, you have no grip. And so everyone was running that, that second groove. If you ran underneath or if you were above somebody and somebody pushed up, you're going to wipe yourselves out or get wiped out. I mean, it's just idiotic. It's to me that it takes, it's common sense. You, if you're going to put that much, pj1 on the racetrack you should at least compensate with either a tire dragon on the low line or better yet put the freaking pj1 on the yellow line and then put pj1 in the third lane and just leave the middle that second lane open like make what was the groove like basically take away it would it would be more impressive to me if you take away what is the actual groove and go and go above it or away from it. That would actually show some intelligence, but they couldn't do that. They just completely shit the bed. So, I mean, you had the kind of garbage that we had where Matt Kenseth uh, was spinning out and they were throwing whatever issues there. John Hunter blew a tire, I think, and... You know, like it, it's I, I'll never I will not understand. Like, I love it because anytime it's on the racetrack, I was like, hey, there you go. There's our podcast. It's great for that. Um, but 
it does not help racing at all. Uh, NASCAR has a fundamental problem with their product in the Cup Series, and they insist on band-aiding it, and grip strip does not work. Um, yeah. And it, I, I, the only place I think it has worked is Bristol. So I guess we'll find we'll see that tomorrow. Uh, yeah, during one more point. All-Star. Yeah. Yeah, just, you know, it seems like, you know, with the PJ1 stuff, like, you know, I don't know, like, which lane they should put it in. Is they put it in the bottom, like you said, or put it on the top? But I remember, like, uh, a while back, a couple of weeks ago, um, I remember Dale Jr. on his podcast saying, he was like, let us work in the top. You know, don't, I think he was, I think he was talking about it at Homestead, I think, but it's like, don't, you know, don't put too much PJ1 in where, like, we can't use the top lane. Just let us work in the lane that we want to work in, and and um, it'll come in by itself naturally. Yeah, and and the, the irony in all of this is, like, Junior is the only person, I think, one of the only people that's left in this sport that actually gets it. And you're better off listening to him. Then and or a Tony Stewart or people like that, then you are the idiots that the Daytona Beach Mafia have out there or SMI or these people. They have no effing clue. And it's just why we have a big ass spoiler, no horsepower. All and and I've read the thing that oh, because of insurance, they've had to reduce horsepower. And it's like, well, that insurance has existed for all these years. So now why all of a sudden you're reducing horsepower? Then they go and say, oh, it's because they're trying to get an OEM. You're not getting an OEM at 550 horsepower. All right. Uh, you'd have to reduce horsepower even further to like 400 or 450. Or you'd have to go and simplify the sport, which is what they really need to be doing in the first place, which is what Tony and Evernham are going to do with their uh iRock, you know, new iRock series, um, which we'll probably talk about in more detail when more information comes along, uh, that they announced here uh, uh yesterday, uh the that um Tony Stewart and Ray Evernham are involved in a new deal there. They're trying to get away from the stupidity that what they have right now um with nascar and the stupid rules packages they have but when you have to put pj1 on a racetrack it's called put give the teams the opportunity to work a groove in like what you said and 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 see what happens when you're putting so much pj1 you put it so wide you're either telling them that you have to run it or you're you're it's going to be no man's land i mean at least it's I mean, ugh, it's 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 ridiculous. And 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 if you're trying to run indie cars or trying to run any other type of race car there, you're fucking with them too, which is stupid and unnecessary, um, to say the least. Um, going into the Xfinity series, uh, Gumby Sindrick won both races there Thursday and Friday. Both of those races were pretty uh, garbage. To say the least, uh, he dominated two different setups for uh, Sindrick to be able to win his first two oval races. I think the the straightforward question is, does this make Austin Sindrick a favorite for this Xfinity title? Or are we looking at, you know, some of the other guys that were there prior to um, Sindrick winning these two races? 
No, I think you definitely have to consider Cindric as a contender for the title. He just it seems like he's been running pretty well uh, for the season uh, for the most part. Just hasn't won yet, and now that he's won two races in a row, you know certainly gonna have to look at him as a, a potential threat coming here for the title. You know, with how the chase or how the playoffs works, certainly it's possible for him to make it all the way to Phoenix um, at the end of the year, and we'll, we'll see what happens. And you know, if it comes down to him and um, uh, Chase Briscoe on a restart, you know, certainly. Um, have to consider um, Cindric in that conversation if it comes down to it. But man, I gotta because I remember last week I said uh, look out for Austin Cindric, he's due for a win, and I said look out for him in both races, and he won both races. And now I'm looking at myself and like, damn, I should have put money on those races on on Austin Cindric to win. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, that's the thing. If you had put money on that, it's the same way as uh, as somebody wishes they put put money on on Cole Custer at 500 to 1 that would have been a that would have been $5000 on a $10 bet so oh well i guess if you keep on making those kind of um predictions and you're willing to do that and we could go and promote that as well here on the grip strip podcast if you keep on doing that then we might have a new bid here uh <laughs> if you keep on hitting on that so we'll see well i guess that's what we're going to be talking about later some of the picks here but um Hey, I mean, it's a Penske car, and for Sindrick to win at Kentucky, it's a track where can where um, the Penske team has done well, not only in Xfinity but in in the Cup Series with Brad, um, and uh, you you know uh, Ryan Blaney won his first career Xfinity race for Penske there, and I think Brad's won there as well in Xfinity for them. So it's it's a uh, it's a good track. So for Sindrick to come through and do what he did there, it's, it's a, it's a good deal. Um, yeah. I mean, you go look at that one. Yeah. Three wins for Brad in the cup series. And you look at the Xfinity series, Brad Keselowski is won there a couple of times. Logano won there. That was prior to, to um, driving for, for Penske. So, I mean, Penske has had good, good uh, history there at Kentucky um, Speedway. We go into, what is it? The Alsco 300 was the, was the race on Friday on Thursday, the shady race, 200 Austin Sindrick wins Riley Herb second Chastain third Briscoe fourth and net fifth, Anthony Alfredo sixth, Justin Haley seventh, Kyle Weatherman eighth for, uh, the Harmonator. Um, Ryan Sieg, ninth, and Brett Moffitt, 10th in the hour uh, motorsports number 02. Uh, Noah Gregson, uh, wannabe Kyle Busch, led the most laps that in that race, but had uh, pit road. I think he got a speeding penalty, and then uh, because of that, he won both stages, got a speeding penalty, and had to come back and only got to 11th because it was a one-roof racetrack. Um, there was only three drivers that led the whole, or four drivers that led the whole entire day. Uh, it was Gregson led the first half of the race, and then you had Haley, Briscoe led a few laps, but Sindrick was the one that ended up winning. Then on Friday, similar deal. I mean, real, really big domination there by Sindrick leading under 30 of the 200 laps. More, more drivers led. Only was only. 
six lead, six drivers led. Gregson led the second most laps. Again, uh, had some issues. He won one stage, uh, finished seventh, and then um, what we're going to talk about here in a moment. Briscoe gets a second. He, in the end, uh, for for what he said, he with uh, not having a great weekend, struggling the whole time, having Richard Boswell back on the box after Greg Zipidelli came out of retirement. He still got two top five finishes, accumulated more points, put himself uh, further ahead of uh, what do you call Noah Gregson in the race for the regular season championship. Uh, and honestly, we'll see what happens going to Texas, tough racetrack. Uh, there's some road course races coming along. They're going to have Kansas, I think, which is a good track for uh, Chase. He should have won Kansas last fall, which would have locked him into the final four. You go to Elk, it'll be uh, Road America and the Daytona road course, two races at Dover um, upcoming. So those will be some uh, interesting races to where we could go and identify who's going to be the uh, drivers that are going to really stand out here for the championship and move forward to the truck series. Buckle up uh, in your truck. What a great name. Uh, 225. Buckle up. Yeah. And Sheldon Creed. The uh, protege of Robbie Gordon gets his first career victory. Rain shortened, but it's a win. A win is a win. Ben Rhodes second. Matt Crafton third. Sauter fourth. Austin Hill fifth. Eckes. Zane Smith, who um, was up there for trying to contend for a stage. Or he won the stage. One stage. And uh, Krause, Tanner Gray, and Todd Gill in the top 10. Brett Moffitt ended up starting on the pole and was battling Zane Smith there for that um, first stage win. So uh, the truck series, we go and talk about what Sheldon Creed did. He's been on the cusp. Pocono, he had a great run. We talked about that last week where I swore he should have won that race. The movie put on there late. He probably should have won it. He won both stages. So... Um, He's only he's only the third driver that has playoff points. I mean, before Kentucky, the only truck regular that had playoff points was was uh, Grant Infinger. And uh, be- between uh, the Zane Smith stage win and then Sheldon Creed uh, or Sheldon Creed had stage points. Sorry, he had the stage points from from Pocono. So there was only two drivers that had stage points. Now there's only three that have stage points that are um or playoff points from uh, from the truck series regulars. Uh, your what what do you think of that deal for um, the the Sheldon Creed getting his first win, GMS um, kind of asserting themselves finally after a slow start, and also you look at Thor Sport getting three drivers two three and four there um, in the finish at uh, Kentucky. Yeah, it's a good deal for the GMS team. You know, they've kind of been uh, um, quiet over the last um, season or two in the Truck Series, and you know they've they uh, they used to be um, a little bit more dominant maybe a few years ago, like maybe two or three seasons ago, where they were maybe one of the top teams in the Truck Series. But you know they kind of had a fall off, I guess, and now it looks like maybe they're finally back. 
and they've got a good driver in Sheldon Creed. And, um, you know, it kind of speaks to the um, depth of the series when you talk about how many teams actually have um, playoff points here in the in the truck series. But, you know, you also have to factor in the amount of races that we've had so far this year in the, in the truck series. And and certainly, you know, that that's a factor in that. But uh, the Thor Sport cars, you know, they uh, swept the next three positions there, two, three, and four. And you know, that's kind of like what you want to get from um, from that team. And I think, you know, they've, they haven't, um, as a team, you know, they haven't had quite the best results, you know, with Crafton kind of has been off and uh, Ben Rhodes hasn't been quite as solid. And, you know, um, none of the, really none of their cars have like stood out like, overall this entire season maybe johnny Sauter, but you know he hasn't been the johnny Sauter like we've seen in the past from um him when he was at thor sport um in the past but certainly um is that's a good result for that team but uh you know even though it's a, a rain shortened race um you know like ben rhodes was um able like if if he hadn't if it hadn't been for the rain i think um or if they had been able to restart I think Ben Rhodes probably would have uh, given Sheldon Creed a, a fight for that win potentially. Uh, so I think if if uh, Ben Rhodes can maybe keep it up, maybe you'll see him win a race uh, here pretty soon. That would be something, Ben Rhodes actually winning a race. I, I I'm more uh, curious. Uh, that's one thing I was gonna say. It's like for Crafton, he he hasn't won in forever. I, I I'm trying to remember the last time freaking Matt Crafton won a race. It you know, he he made some fill-in starts for in cup. He ran one race Bob against thirty six. Yeah, he ran the thirty six car last year and a sneak start there. He filled in for Kyle Bush at the Daytona five hundred and had a solid run. Um in terms of a he hasn't won a, a race since twenty seventeen. Um so he's run two plus years in it's been two and a half years since he won, and that was Eldora too. Yeah, so he hasn't won on pay. He hasn't won on pavement since 2016. So you're. It's been a long time for him. And 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 when you look at the truck series, it was a case even when they had eight drivers, and I I had no problem with eight drivers in the truck championship. Um, when you consider the number of competitive drivers there are in this season, having ten, while I didn't like it. And I don't think a lot of people like that move. It 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 was a worthwhile move uh, to go and uh, uh, move to ten drivers in the playoff. I know they want to have more people in the playoff anyway, so in that sense, it was fine. Um, we will see about how um, how Crafton's uh, able to do if he can win. Sauter hasn't won. You look at all these. Um, different drivers right now um twenty twenty standings i mean the only re- only two series regulars one of course and finger with two wins those are his only two top fives of the year too as well uh he's only had two top his two wins or there's only two good finishes outside of that he's a 12.1 average finish sheldon creed has been more consistent uh than that and, uh, you know, Austin Hill's been the most consistent out of all of them. He has a huge points lead right now, 49, 46 points over Sheldon Creed. 
and 57 over Ben Rhodes. Eckes is okay right now points-wise, so while Kyle Busch didn't make the, the Kyle Busch Motorsports and get either of their trucks into the playoff last year, Eckes, as of now, should be okay, uh, minus a bunch of different drivers winning that are outside of the top 10. Um, there's really, there's a lot of, like, when you go and look at this, Eckes is only 24 points out ahead of 10th which can be messed with if you go and get a lot of stage and playoff points. You win a couple stages and you have a bad race. That can all kind of flip around. And, uh, yeah, you got Eckes, Grant Enfinger, Zane Smith, Todd Gillen, Brett Moffitt, Ankrum, Johnny Sauter's on the bump. Uh, Derek Krause is 14 points out of the, the top 10. And Crafton's an additional five points behind that. Tanner Gray, Stuart Friesen, Raphael Lassard is are way back. Stuart Friesen's like the last driver right now, and even he's uh, 28 points out. And you take away the race at Eldora, which would have been a, a race where he could have possibly would have been a, a definite favorite. They've struggled this year. It's going to be hard for him to make it. Um, based on the current schedule, who knows what NASCAR is going to do in terms of additional races. You look at uh, Lassard and Ty Majeski, they're in trouble. They're going to need to win. Lassard has not even had a top 10 finish so far this year. So that's pretty brutal. Even Majeski for some of the horrible runs that they've had um, wrecking at Pocono when he had a winning truck. Um, which pissed me off because I bet on him. Uh, he has two top tens, but he's 16th in points. I don't know what the deal is there. Him and Phil Gould aren't um, gelling or vibing the same way as Phil Gould and uh, Col- Ruddy Cole, um, Ross Chastain did last year. But uh, we will see. They'll be running at Texas this Saturday um, in, a, in a doubleheader with the Xfinity Series. Uh, we will uh, transition into the All-Star Race. Um, it'll be interesting tomorrow night, Bristol Motor Speedway. Uh, fans are already started to show up there, and uh, they got vendors and the whole bit. It's It seems like it's going to be somewhat like a regular race there at Bristol with fans. Uh, nowhere near as many fans as they would usually have. I've been there at the Bristol Night Race, and you're talking about a hundred thousand people in a basically a stadium and, and it's only going to be like 30,000, I think tomorrow night. So uh, you're, who do you look for? I think the, the first question we'll go with Josh is uh, for the open, the all-star open. Um, who do you look for to advance and uh, get the fan vote uh, into the uh, all-star race? Yeah, I think I'm going to go somebody like uh, Tyler Reddick or maybe even um, Christopher Bell. I think those will be the um, – if they're still doing the two-car or the, the top two as the, the transfer spot, uh, I would look for those guys to uh, to do that. I think for the fan vote, I'm going to go with uh, Bubba Wallace. I think he's uh, definitely put, inserted himself uh, into the conversation for – 
um, I would maybe not most popular driver, but certainly for the all-star race, you know, I think um, with uh, all the momentum he has pushing for uh, social justice and racial uh, justice, I think uh, has made him certainly a more uh, name that's in the conversation of everybody uh, within the sport and uh, within the general conversation uh, of the public. So I think certainly he'll um, have a really good shot at getting the uh, the fan vote if he doesn't actually uh, race his way in. But, uh, yeah, Tyler Reddick and um, Christopher Bell I'd look for, um, and, and the rookies too, which uh, I you know think think highly of them even as rookies. Yeah, those are good choices, honestly. Um, Bell had a good run at Bristol a few weeks ago. Reddick was up there, too. Um, Now that they're going, this will be the first time they're going back to, I mean, even you could count what Darlington was and uh, to a point, but even that was right when they first came back from the post-COVID I think this would be really the first time, and even Pocono was kind of wacky because of the way uh, you're doing back-to-back days. It's it's kind of I don't know if that would you're able to really put that much emphasis on changes. I think this is the first time where these rookies are able to go and use the notes that they learned from the first race they had there, and go and put some focus and adjustments into their race cars and possibly make a better race car. Of course, they didn't run in the dark. They ran in the daylight. So that'll play a role. Uh, I mean, I I figure that Bubba has a chance to advance uh, on merit. uh, But um, for all the angry people that hate um, Bubba Wallace, I think that he's going to get in somehow, some way. Um, Unlike most fan votes over the years, whether it was Miss Hummer or Josh Wise because of Reddit and Dogecoin or or you look at Kyle Petty or Ken Schrader, or Kenny Wallace, when they were all well past their prime or really didn't belong. Um, Bubba Wallace actually has a car that could do decently. He finished fifth in the All-Star race last year after winning one of the stages. Um, as it stands, there are 16 drivers that are in the all-star race, uh, three stage winners, and the fan vote will get in. So there will be 20 drivers that will be in the all-star race. So three stage winners and uh, the the uh, fan vote, I agree with you in terms of Chris Bell, Tyler Reddick. Uh, I look at Bubba Walls, and I also look at Eric Almirola. The way Eric Almirola has been running here the last month and a half or, you know, whatever, just over the past month, five, six weeks, is um, the best he's ever run, really, in his career. And uh, he's starting up front. He might go and get take care of that first stage and, and, and get himself into the all-star race and really give himself a chance to win the all-star race because he's he's been on the cusp here of winning a race and he dominated Kentucky before he got in traffic. Um, I think the rookies will have a good showing, but I also think uh, Eric Almirola will go in advance into the all-star race, giving three Stuart Haas cars. Um, you have to also give an, 
I would look at if Bubba was was able to go and win uh, his way in. Um, I would say Matt De Benedetto probably would be that next guy to go and get in uh, based on fan vote. Uh, I believe I, I forgot who the top ten was or what the order was, but I think he'd probably be a favorite because he drives a twenty-one car and Reddit supports him. Uh, John Hunter Nemechek is buried, uh, which is which sucks for him in terms of starting position. But I think him, Corey LaJoy, Ty Dillon, those are all guys. Ty Dillon, of course, Simon uh, Hay. If uh, she's gonna make, they just made another kid, and they're gonna have a son. So Ty Dillon's kind of on a high. So I think that all those drivers there running tailback have a chance to try to run up front and possibly go and give themselves a chance to make this um, all-star race. Uh, We'll go and switch over to the actual all-star race. So when you consider whoever you feel like is going to go and advance, Josh, um, what do you, what do you think? Who do you think is going to win this deal or who, like who is the best chance really and who is really going to win this thing uh, tomorrow night at Bristol Motor Speedway? Well, certainly uh, Martin Truex being on the pole certainly helps for his uh, case for um, potentially winning the race. Um, I, maybe Kevin Harvick potentially, or um, maybe Chase Elliott also, even though he's a little bit buried down in the running order. You know, I maybe would want to go back to the first Bristol race uh, back in June that happened in the day and look at how that race went. And I think, you know, somebody like Chase Elliott, um, Logano, even, even maybe Kyle Busch uh, could definitely uh, contend and Denny Hamlin as well. Uh, and it certainly it's going to be a, a very, very entertaining race. Uh, and I, uh, I would go with any of those guys, uh, is potentially ending up the winner of the All-Star race at Bristol. Uh, I think, I don't know why. I mean, I know Justin Haley won the race last year, but, you know, it's a a joke that he's actually in this race. uh, He's starting fourth, and he'll drop like a rock to uh, start out the race, I think. But other than that, I I think it'll be a, a very entertaining race for sure. Yeah, I mean, Justin Haley went out there and, played strategy and won Daytona last year, 4th of July weekend and at the Coke zero 400. And who knows what the 77 team will bring to the table. They've never really been known for bringing great race cars outside of the cookie cutters. Or I mean, outside of the plate tracks, um, this is a spot where there's going to be 20 cars and the spotlight's going to be on them. Justin Haley's an up-and-coming driver, somebody that might be in line for a cup ride. So will what will they do? That'll be an interesting side story to this deal. But you look at Jimmy Johnson in his last All-Star race. Uh, he's won it, of course, multiple times at Charlotte. Can he come out and win at Bristol? He's only won there once. Um, personally, I think Kyle Busch is going to win. Um, it, you'd be hard pressed to pick against a Bush brother 
um, in general at Bristol. It, I wouldn't shock me that Kurt Busch goes out there and wins um, tomorrow night uh, because it, it's it's a track where they made their name. They've been able to do to to go and and set themselves apart from other drivers, other people, and uh, I mean you you consider. I mean, Jimmy Johnson started 24th and he was leading and he had a chance to win that race uh, in uh, at the end of May there, the Food City 500. Brad won the race. Kyle Busch was leading there late. He led 100 laps. Eric Jones is in this race. He finished fifth. You, Kurt Busch finished seventh. And, you know, you talk about some of the guys we talked about for the Open Chris Bell ninth, Bubba Walls tenth, William Byron finished eighth, you know, Clint Boyer finished second. So those are all things to look at. Kevin Harvick finished eleventh, so it wasn't his best day. Actually, John Hunter finished thirteenth. So the, the it's uh and I mean on Daniel Suarez actually had a top twenty finish that day. So there's some interesting people that um are there. Of course, Logano and Elliott had their their tussle that now has become a thing. Um, so, I mean, it's hard to, I, I, I say, I say Kyle more than likely, if not Kyle, I, I would, it would be cool to see Kurt Busch win, be something different. Uh, but it's hard pressed to, to see that the track position, I feel like uh, at least early is going to play a role. Um, but who's, whoever's able to roll, get the top line working, roll the top, get the rubber down there, will probably have an advantage over people that are trying to work that low line where the the grip strip is uh, later in the race. So that should be something to look forward to um, amongst a lot of things that we'll be uh, looking at here, how the track comes in during the night tomorrow night. Um, the couple other things that uh, you will see in this race, we talk about the choose cone. They're talking before you come one to green, they'll have uh, an arrow. They'll You'll go across the start finish line and there will be basically an arrow that is like a cone. And you have to either go left of that arrow or right of it. And based on where you go, that's the line you'll restart in. Um, if you don't make a choice, you'll go to the end of the line. Um, there will also be uh, changes to the look of the car based on NASCAR wanting to experiment where the numbers will be right in front of the left uh, or the rear tire. And they'll have more space on the door for the sponsor. Most of the cars that um, I've seen, um, I'll leave my thoughts on that, but um what are your, what are you, when you heard about the choose cone, Josh, which is basically the Matt Weaver um, decision and uh, the sponsorship deal, uh, what are you looking for, for in terms of that? Or what are your thoughts on those things? And um, are you against? Are you for? How do you feel those changes are going to? Um, affect what we see tomorrow and maybe what we see going forward in future races. Yeah, I think it's definitely going to be an interesting change that we see 
uh, in this race. And one thing you have to consider with uh, the the race, it's uh, with the choose cone rules. The fact that with with that, you know, potentially maybe like let's say uh, the top ten decide to start up on the high line uh, at Bristol, and maybe uh, somebody in eleventh might choose the low line and just gain a bunch of positions like that. I don't know how exactly they're going to regulate it, but it's uh, certainly is something that we're going to have to see how that goes uh, and and you wonder if um, um, they'll in- implement it next year potentially but uh, I I would I would very much like to see how it goes I'm very very curious to see wh- uh, what happens uh, with the choose cone rule um, and uh, you know maybe potentially they'll get a sponsor for it we already have the the Geico restart zone maybe they'll have some some way of uh, sponsoring the choose cone where where we see a, a funny uh, or cute name I guess that decides to sponsor that but but you know it's it's definitely something that we've seen in short track racing and dirt track racing and and um, now that we have it in cup racing you know if, if it goes well on uh, tomorrow night then potentially we'll see it probably in 2021 and I think it'll definitely change the dynamic at races where where the high line is very very dependent um on getting a good restart and you know we talk about like martin truex at i think at darlington you know, he had a set he had a top three car but he can only muster a 10th place finish and he said he was getting destroyed on restarts and if he's able to choose the the top line on the restart then you know maybe uh he'll he'll be able to finish better so potentially we'll see maybe uh a car or a driver that is always good on one lane coming off a restart and you're able able to keep uh, the position that he has and maybe we may not see as much uh, variance if uh, let's say the top three cars in a race um, all choose the same line Uh, maybe they keep their position throughout the race and you don't see them fall back at the end because they were in the wrong line versus um, somebody maybe stealing position but at the same time you know if you if you pick the inside lane and you're able to get a good restart then maybe you can steal a position on the restart but we'll see we'll have to see how that goes yeah the choose cone is something they do short track racing you also look at it in the dirt uh it's a good play it's a good thing to experiment with here in the all-star race they've always used the all-star race as kind of r&d um I don't mind it. It's cool. I think it'll be fine. I don't believe it's something they're going to do for the regular races. Um, It's it definitely does play more of a role at tracks like Bristol and Martinsville where people break check or break test to try to get in the different line. Uh, If that's if that's the goal so that people aren't brake testing or brake checking coming out of pit road, then maybe they might go and implement it. But considering NASCAR and how they're consistently inconsistent, um, I have a hard time believing they'll be able to execute it properly. Um, We will see tomorrow though, how that goes. Uh, The sponsorship thing on the door, it's, it's cheesy, it's ugly. Um, some teams have done okay with it. I, I mean, basically, I think Kyle Busch 
his car is the only one that I've seen that's been okay. And that's mainly because it's M and M, so it's like whatever. Um, it's it's the, yeah. I mean, you go and 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 look at that. Some of these, the the most uh, you look at the paint schemes and what they got going on. I'm not a fan of it. I like what you know. I like how it is. You know, have the number right in the middle. It's the identity. When you consider that um, a lot of these teams now have multiple sponsors, it's it's hard to go and identify a car without having it in the middle. Um, running it for one time is fine. Um, I mean, once you start going down that road, then you're going to be moving the number. Like It's like IMSA has it in front of the left in front of the front tire um, in a box, but then you identify it based on like a color on the background based on pro or am, and you start getting into that. It's like the, you, you're messing with all these things with NASCAR, like leave certain things alone. That's one thing that you should leave alone. I, I don't think it, it hurts anybody to go and leave that alone, but it's NASCAR. They have to figure out ways to go and, uh, fuck with things that are perfectly fine and uh, it is what it is um, I guess um, with that we will um, go into the well, before we go and leave here tonight um, we will start off with Texas and then we'll come back later this week on a recap Bristol and um, go into Formula One, IndyCar, and IMSA. IMSA will be at Sebring. Um, we'll get into Texas, uh, the triple header presented by Eddie Goosage and COVID. Um, I guess the first thing we'll go and who do you have picked since you, you hit last week, Josh? Uh, I guess I'm going to ask you straightforward, uh, who do you pick to win uh, the trucks, Xfinity, and the Cup races here this weekend at Texas. Well, I think uh, for the trucks, you're going to have to, uh, looking at the entry list, uh, I think you're going to have to go with somebody who's been a regular or at least a contender in the the series so far this year out of the, the regulars. And for that, uh, I will have to go with somebody like Austin Hill. You know, we saw him um, at a, Atlanta finish the race or well he was he should have won that race and he ended up not winning that race and then we saw him almost win at at Pocono and I think you know Texas uh, being kind of a, a mile and a half and, and a, a repave uh, which is what Pocono is the repave from 2012 and Atlanta being a mile and a half I think you're gonna see um, him I don't know if he'll I, I would like to say he, he can win because um, I think he's he's due for a win and and if he has i think yeah he's uh yeah he hasn't won yet so uh, i think he 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 should be somebody you uh look out for at texas as for xfinity i think you got to go with the the usual suspects uh chase briscoe uh austin cindrick uh maybe noah gregson um they've all performed uh 
quite well this season. You know, Chase Briscoe being the best out of those three, and then probably give or take Gregson and and Cindric uh, as uh, take or leave it for the other two out of those three if you wanted to rank them. But I think any of those three um, and would win. And I, if I had to pick a guy, I'd, I'd probably go with Cindric. Uh, um, I think he's got a little bit of momentum, and I think uh, maybe on the um, newer tracks with the repaves and and uh, mile and a halfs, so I think um, he might have a slight advantage. Uh, he seems to um, maybe favor. Uh, he may might not be the better driver, but he certainly has a, a very good car with Penske, and you know we know how Penske is the always the most prepared cars uh, on the track any given race day, and then probably for Cup, I would pick. Um, I'm probably going to pick somebody like uh, Denny Hamlin, uh, look for him to maybe get back on track after not being uh, quite as good at Texas or at um, at Kentucky. I think uh, definitely him or, you know, you have to look for somebody like Truex or Kevin Harvick uh, that, that will do well. But for the winner, probably maybe Denny Hamlin. He's done well at the mile and a half yeah, so you heard it here first. If you are listening here to the Gripstrip podcast and uh, you want some winners, I write for uh, AmericanBettingExperts.com, but uh, my winners generally aren't hitting as well as uh, Josh's. So if you want some winners, you have to listen to Josh. Uh, put some money on them if at your at your own discretion, of course, responsibly responsible gambling of course um after uh, josh went and hit twice uh last week with gumby uh i'm i was looking at the entry list and you left you left um some low-hanging fruit out there josh uh kyle bush is running his final truck race of 2020 here on saturday uh i think saturday evening and so okay i changed my bet then <laughs> yeah well yeah so uh you have kyle bush and ross chastain in the field you also have justin haley um talking about a guy who did well in gms equipment uh, a few years ago he's going to be running the 24 truck and he'll be running both races on saturday so is ross chastain so those i i mean honestly I think Ross, it's either going to be Kyle Busch or Ross Chastain that wins uh, on Saturday. But I do agree that if it was a regular, Austin Hill's been the best regular. If there's one other regular that I would look at, um, I mean, Sheldon Creed's kind of on a heater, but I look at Brett Moffitt. He hasn't won this year, and um, he's had a, quite an interesting year, to say the least. So um, uh, GMS trying to lock in drivers into the playoff. Um, Brett Moffitt um, got hot in the middle of the during the summer last year, which carried him all the way to Homestead, but he wasn't able to come through for that second championship. If there is a regular that might be able to go and do something uh, to me, I would go and look at Brett Moffitt there to go and uh, get his first win of 2020 in the terms of the Xfinity, of course, going with the guys that have been up there, uh, the, the Briscoes and Sindrick's and Noah Gregson. Um, all, Harrison Burton's had a rough go of it recently, but 
I think uh, it's Joe Gibbs. It's a track where they do well. Kyle Busch is in this race too, actually. I just saw that. So there you go. So I guess um, if you want to go and take the low hanging fruit and a low return, you could go and uh, go with Kyle Busch to win both of those races. I don't know if you can parlay them. That would be interesting. If you can go and parlay them, that would be something. That's something I have to look at. Um, But, you know, he's in this race, and uh, that's probably the easy pick. But I would also look at Harrison Burton. Um, These one-and-a-half-mile racetracks, the Gibbs cars are relatively uh, strong there. Bruckshot Jones uh, won at Kentucky, or I mean at Kansas last year, after Garrett Smithley wrecked um, Chase Briscoe and whoever it was there. Um, but you know that if it isn't Kyle Busch, it should be an interesting race amongst the regulars. But I figure it'll be Kyle Busch because he's mad and he hasn't won a Cup race all year, so it's convenient that he would go out and figure out a way to win both races on Saturday and do what I was saying he was going to do. I said, he's going to win tomorrow. I feel like he's going to go on a little run here based on my logic. He's going to win tomorrow's race. Then he's going to go to Texas and he's going to sweep the weekend. That's why you just feel like that's what's going to happen. Cause everyone's like, Oh my God, Kyle Busch has won. Oh man, the world's ending. It's like, who the fuck cares? Assholes won 8 trillion races. Guy looks a fucking mosquito. It's okay that that bastard doesn't win once in a while. It makes it makes racing better, actually, because he wins all the goddamn time, and he's an asshole while he's doing it too. Like that other Coke user, freaking uh, freaking Noah Gregson and and Danny Hamlin, all these other douchebags with with uh, personality defects. But um, if it isn't Kyle Busch, uh, I would I, I'll go out on a limb. A little bit, so it's somewhat of a, it's not a big limb, it's not a strong limb. Going, I'll go with Brian Blaney. Uh, he's a guy that's done relatively well at Texas, had some moments there. Todd Gordon, giving him better opportunity. Um, he would be somebody I would look at to come through at uh, Texas Motor Speedway. And uh, hot uh you know wild card pick if the if the outside line can come in go with Tyler Reddick so um with that uh we will end this episode of the grip strip podcast uh Josh you have anything going out yeah actually I do um I so I got a new PC this past weekend and I resubscribed to iRacing so I'm gonna try to see if I can you know, get my skill back up there and and start, you know, getting in some races and then maybe potentially down the line I might try to enter into that uh, Indy 500 that uh, Tanner talked about on iRacing um, that he mentioned uh, back in June. So I might um, look out for that potentially. We'll see how that goes. Yeah, that was the Open Wheels 500. That'll be in November. So Tanner Watkins, openwheels.com. I work for him, sort of, at this point. Um, he's a great guy. He's a great sim racer, and we could talk about that more in detail. Um, Josh is a uh, sim racer himself. Um, I'm trying to look at, you know, getting uh, – I'm debating going and getting a system myself to go and 
drive Formula One 2020. So that might be happening. So I might get back on the on the horse myself and start racing and trying to figure out how to drive halfway decent again on a on a video on a on a sim system. Uh, the computer uh, may not be soon, but hopefully one day I'll be able to do that so I can get uh, iRacing, Assetto Corsa, those type of games so that I can go and compete with Josh and Tanner and, you know, other people like Jimmy Broadbent and the like. So um, with that, I, want, I also want to go and give a shout out uh, to... Uh, one person who is uh, very kind with uh, his work in terms of custom diecast, uh, Bobby Stubbs, uh, diecast by Bobby. Uh, he went and did a great job uh, making a uh, custom truck for me, doing a custom uh, Bubba Wallace uh, uh, tribute. Uh, what was it? The uh, Wendell Scott tribute truck that he won Martinsville with for Kyle Busch Motorsports. He did an amazing job with that and um, great, great prices, great deals. He's on Facebook. Um, absolutely awesome guy. If you want custom die cast, you're into that sort of thing. He's willing to go and make almost anything. So um, follow him, hit him up. He does great work great quality prices are right so i wanted to give props to bobby stubbs for his work he's going to be doing some chase briscoe stuff for me as well since they're not making chase briscoe cars these days so um we'll be back later in the week with uh, another episode of the Gripshire podcast to go and preview indycar formula one imsa and recap the all-star race at bristol motor speedway so keep in touch Keep in, uh, tune in for that. Um, we're on Podbean, we're on um, iTunes, and uh, you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter, our personal pages. Um, the Twitter page for the Grip Strip Podcast, we're still working on that. That's a work in progress, but um, we're coming along here. So thanks for tuning in, and uh, we will talk to you later this week. God bless.